Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for, but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. It's mentally yours from Ellen and Uh, focus on your mental health, you surely won't regret. It's mentally, 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 mentally yours. Mentally yours. Mentally yours. Hi everyone, and welcome to Mentally Yours, Metro.co.uk's weekly mental health podcast. I'm Yvette. Today is World Suicide Prevention Day. As someone who has bipolar disorder and who's lost a friend to suicide, I have mixed feelings about discussing days like this and a lot of questions. Can one day make a difference and does talking about suicide help? And also, is it even realistic to suggest that there is anything we can do to prevent tragic deaths? Here to discuss these and more questions is Andy Baines Bosper, a listening volunteer for the Samaritans who has also suffered from depression, anxiety and burnout himself. So, uh, World Suicide Prevention Day, um, how helpful are days like these, do you think? I think one day can help make a difference. Um, I think that we cannot limit it to one day um, in terms of how we manage the conversation around suicide and how we manage the conversation around support for those that aren't coping. Um, as I said, I think it is a very important day, but it is a day and it needs to be far-reaching. Although having it for a day, I think limiting our conversation around it is certainly not just for one day. Mm. It's interesting what you said in there about the conversation and also the, the things that you said earlier about um, talking about it in maybe the right way. Do you feel that there's a right way and a wrong way to talk about suicide? Because I think that's something that people are a bit worried about, to be honest, and sometimes that can stop them from talking about it at all. I think, yeah, there, there's very much still a stigma to talking about suicide um it's a stigma that we're very keen to to break um, and that ties in very much with the conversation around mental health and well-being 
and and also the conversation around you know making it okay to talk about how you're feeling both emotionally um and from, sorry from your emotions and from your feelings um and there's lots of ways people can get involved in having those conversations um especially if they think that they know someone who might be feeling um low feeling unable to cope or ultimately feeling suicidal it's it's a really difficult subject just in the sense that um I know, I know for myself from being suicidal and being very depressed because of my bipolar disorder, people don't necessarily know from the outside what's going on in your head, how you're feeling. You might not be showing it. And it can be really hard for people to talk to friends or even to their close family about how they're feeling. Are there any signs that we can look out for um, in terms of people who might be struggling? Yeah, and I think you... you, you... You know, you, you said that exactly right there in terms of there may be some signs that, that you can't see and people aren't necessarily showing the signs. But um, I do think it is important to note that everyone does cope and react differently to challenges in life. And as such, any small or large change in behaviour could be a sign that someone's not coping. There are general signs that someone can look out for that may indicate that either we as an individual or someone we know might be finding it hard to cope. Um, there's signs like from feeling restless and agitated to noticing if someone's becoming more angry and aggressive, um, feeling tearful, um, someone may be tired or lacking in energy more so than usual and not wanting to talk or be with people. Um, someone we might know might be using alcohol or drugs to try and cope with feelings and um, or possibly not wanting to do the things that they might usually enjoy. There's other signs like not replying to messages or being very distant. And you might hear someone mention words like feeling hopeless or helpless. And possibly any change in routine, such as sleeping or eating more or less than normal, could show that someone might not be coping. But I think it's also important to note, as we said, that you might not always be able to spot these signs. And emotions are very, probably more so now, more than ever, more difficult to spot, especially if you're seeing people less. Um, and as such, even recognising circumstances that might trigger you know, um, our inability to cope or suicidal thoughts, such as job stresses, loneliness, financial worries, you know, loss or grief, any sort of life events that you might know someone is going through, although you might not see the signs, um, it's still worth that conversation and having those uh, conversations. Mm. It's a tricky one though, isn't it? Because again, just from my own experiences um, of depression, I mean, I've been in depression for a lot of periods, but that doesn't necessarily mean that I've been depressed so much to the point that I thought about any of my life. I mean, there have been those periods and I did have one um, instance, but it's tricky, isn't it? Because I know from, just from my own experience, there's been times when I've sort of felt low, but that hasn't automatically meant that um, it's almost like there's levels <laughs> levels to it. I and mean, I suppose I think of these levels yes. because of bipolar disorder and the charts um, in Bipolar UK with sort of like the, the high chart and then you go, goes up high and then down low. Um, so I guess it's maybe worth saying that, you know, just because someone's depressed doesn't necessarily mean they are thinking about suicide. But um, I also think it's important to sort of say that, you know, what you said in there about, you know, it's, it's, it's all right to have that conversation you know, because really what's what's the worst that can happen? Um, but I think there are fears around what the worst can happen. I think people still have that fear sometimes about um, if they bring up the, to the topic, 
that maybe they'd give somebody ideas. Yeah. Is there any truth in that? I think that's a, a really good question. And I think there's there's always I think a worry from, from people that, that they may plant a seed or may suggest someone. Um, when in actual fact, the, the research suggests that that's not the case. Um, there's a number of things that, that people might avoid trying to, to do when they have that conversation, um, which is things like um, trying not to give advice. For example, if you are having a conversation with someone that may be struggling. Um, but the most important thing to do when having a conversation with anybody that you think is struggling, as you said, whether it be uh, sort of either end of that spectrum, is to listen and to give that person time to explain their thoughts and their feelings and focus on how they're feeling um, and not to rush in with own comments or judgments and there, there's a tendency also to be dismissive for example saying things like you know you'll be fine or it can't be that bad when and as you and i both sounds like you know it, it can be that bad um so not rushing in with your own judgments and not giving advice but Having those difficult conversations won't necessarily plant the seed. It will give someone the opportunity who may not have spoken to actually feel that it's okay to speak about how they're feeling and how bad they're feeling. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and what about if we actually do really strongly suspect that somebody is thinking about ending their life or if they have confided in us that they are thinking about it? Um, what should we do in that instance? I think the, the needs of that person who is struggling with suicidal thoughts will very much depend on their own circumstances. But one thing is that you don't have to be an expert to help someone who is struggling. Um, the, the best thing to do is, is, you know, as we've spoken about, is reach out. It won't make things worse. And by providing that presence and that uh, a place free of judgment and being able to listen um, will really, really help. Um, you may have seen uh, things like the Samaritan Small Talk Saves Lives campaign, which is any, basically any kind of interaction can really help disturb someone experiencing suicidal thoughts and disturb that thought process. The action of engaging sometimes is far more important than what you're going to say. Um, and it can really help in the moment disrupt that thought pattern long enough for further help and support to be provided. So yeah, it may be counterintuitive sometimes to ask that difficult question, as we suggested a minute ago, evidence suggests that you're not going to plant any seeds. Um, and if you do ask someone if they are feeling suicidal, it can help them open up. If they do say yes, um, then Samaritan's got a number of resources um, that you can draw to on www.samaritans.org, which will give you some really, really useful tips on how to have that difficult conversation. Um, if you are very concerned about someone um, and they're in a position where you can um, provide help and if you think that there's a possibility there's a risk um, then for anybody who is in crisis first and foremost we would say potentially to call 999 um, but that depends as we said on, on where in that conversation that you are. Mm. That's the thing I suppose if you have realised that it, it, it depends where people are in terms of a crisis and how they're feeling because I guess it might be a case that actually you do need to yeah call 999 at at that point um or it might be in terms of i don't know if there's other sort of practical things that people can do um if they know that people have been dealing with suicidal ideation um the thing that sort of springs to mind for me might be you know helping you know give them lifts to see their gp or helping in other practical ways um because there's 
there is the conversation side of things but sometimes I think maybe with depression um practical things can help as well um just sort of in my own experience I know that friends actually coming around um or sending letters can make a huge difference um do you have any thoughts on that just from your own experience um we'll go back to being there and providing that space for that person to feel that it's safe to talk um the Samaritans have got a great tool for anybody that is worried about someone um that may uh, be feeling you know very low and unable to cope and um, we have the shush listening tips and these are, are great for actually opening up these conversations and supporting people um, and shush stands for uh, s is show you care and um, which is sometimes the most important thing to do is just show that person that you care and that you're there for them and um, the worst that can happen if you do try and have that conversation and do speak to someone is that they may not want to talk at that point, but they will always know that you are there. And um, H stands for have patience. It can be very hard for people to express their feelings and emotions sometimes and having patience gives that person time to reflect and to open up. Um, the U stands for use open questions. So where possible, try and use um, questions, for example, that start with who, what, when, where, or tell me. Uh, say it back, which is S, and um, this shows you've listened to what they said. So repeat back um, some of the key parts of the conversation so they really know you're listening. And H is to have courage. Um, and we've mentioned this a couple of times, as I said, but don't be afraid to ask difficult questions. And sometimes that can be just what's needed to really open up the conversation and to get that person talking. It might be the first time that they've been able to express those feelings. Um, let's talk a bit about the, the past year, because obviously we've all had a really difficult um, year in terms of the pandemic and COVID. Um, how has the past year affected people in terms of suicidal ideation? And do you think that people are at an increased risk at the moment? I think that's a very interesting question at the moment. We're still understanding how the pandemic has impacted people. And um, so it's very, very difficult to say. I think certainly it's created a lot of new pressures and possibly exasperated challenges that people are already facing pre-pandemic. Um, but from the data available, we haven't seen any increase in suicide rates, which is encouraging. And our amazing volunteers continue to work very hard and support our callers as they always have done. How about you yourself? How have you um, done, I guess? How have you been feeling over the past year? How have, how have things gone for you? Um, I think like, like everybody, very much experienced um, my own challenges. Um, I think they've been a collective challenge as, as we all have from the um, from the pandemic I think the, the the in terms of a positive which I can draw on is that I went through my own mental health challenges um, a while ago and from that we're able to build some sort of coping and resilience methods that have really really helped me during this time um, you know it's uh, as I said it has been a difficult time I think for everybody um, and yeah, thankfully, um, I was able to use some of those tools that I learned going through depression um, to help through the last year or 18 months, um, and which has meant to continue able to work for Samaritans and support the callers. Mm. So you've um, suffered depression and anxiety, and it's interesting you talked about sort of the tools that helped you. Are you, are you all right to sort of tell us a bit about that? Yes, yeah. So if I tell you a bit about what I sort of went through um, in terms of some context. So I went through a very bad period in life um, a while ago now due to depression. 
uh, it affected everything from my home life to my work life and at the time I was very much struggling to cope with life um, I had very low self-esteem I felt very worthless and I didn't recognize it unfortunately it had built up over quite a long period of time and I think I've been progressively getting worse um, but hadn't realized to what extent um, I was at the point I couldn't cope with life and felt very emotionally exhausted and looking back I experienced a number of those signs that we spoke about at the start from you know being very snappy and irritable at home uh, I was very tearful a lot of the time I'd cry a lot when I was on my own um, especially on the way to and from work and, and pretty much when I found myself on my own I'd find myself at some point crying and a lot of the time didn't know why felt very tired all the time um, as I said I felt very emotionally exhausted I used to go to bed very early as I didn't want to be awake with my thoughts um, but at the same time I didn't want to wake up again because it would start all over again and those feelings of sort of uh, low self-worth and hopelessness would, would start again. Uh, I very much withdrew from social circles and became quite distant at home. I found it very very hard to cope with everyday things from both at work and at home. I'd often find myself sitting at a screen, whether it be at work or sitting on the sofa at home, not quite knowing what to do, what I needed to do, um, and was very much frozen in my own thoughts. Uh, it was a really quite a bad time. Thankfully, um, after a while, I saw the impact it was having on both me and my family and knew that I was, um, I think, one step away from a very different outcome. I think at times we're all very much one decision away from a different life and I think for me that decision was finally reaching out and you know admitting that I needed help and, and seeking that help. That decision set me on a very different path and um, set me on a different path through recovery. I ended up taking some time off of work, uh, had counselling and support from my GP through um, various different means and also had great support from my family. And from that, it enabled me to work on my own self-worth, um, prioritise self-care, set goals, and it really helped me move away from where I was. And now don't get me wrong, looking back at life's worries and challenges that I felt I couldn't cope with then, um, some of them are very similar now, but I think thanks to the support that I've got, I'm now able to cope with them in a very, very different way. Um, and I think, you know, you, you were so right in what you said that sometimes I think that even even if you're depressed, it doesn't necessarily mean you're suicidal. Um, but I think I was at that point where had I not have sought help, the outcome would have been very, very different um, to a point where I found myself saying to a counsellor that it wasn't that I wanted to die. I just didn't feel that I could live anymore. Um, and I think had I not have sought help, you know, who knows what the outcome might have been, but I was at a very, very low point. Um, and after all that, what made you want to get involved with the Samaritans and volunteer? Do you mind me asking if you actually contacted them yourself uh, when you were on work? Uh, yes, yes, yeah. so I've got a, a great connection with the Samaritans. I needed their help when when I was unwell. So I sort of, as I said, I let this build up over a long period of time and, and the early stages um, definitely sort of this support from the Samaritans um, for me after you know going through my own challenges I wanted to be able to help support others um, it really opened my eyes to what people might be going through especially when I went through my own challenges 
and just how many people out there could potentially be going through the same or who might go through the same at some point. I wanted some good to come out of my own experiences and thankfully the Samaritans were able to, you know, give me that opportunity to be able to support whilst fitting in things like the training and the shifts around what was already a very busy family and work life. Um, you know, unfortunately, I was in a career that I you know, felt that I was uh, I couldn't move and although I really, really wanted to help and um, couldn't see other ways and Samaritans, I found out, you know, that, that I could volunteer for Samaritans and thankfully, um, here I am now. Um, what was it like doing that training? I mean, was it fairly, um, things I haven't gone through it, so I don't know, did you find it fairly emotionally exhausting um, listening to people who may have had sort of very similar stories to yourself. Um, talk us through a bit about sort of what it was like um, becoming a listener for the Samaritans. Um, I think firstly the, the, the training was fantastic. Um, it not only helped in the role of becoming a listener but also in life too. I think I didn't realise until I'd done the Samaritans training, although I used to think I was a, quite a good listener and that I was there for people. Um, it was only until I'd done the training where I realised just how wrong I was. Um, and it has been a great help in my own personal life as well as my Samaritan's uh, career. And each new volunteer, you know, we will get a very, very detailed and in-depth training to prepare us for the kind of conversations that we might have. Um, once we've done our training, uh, we um, complete, sorry, once we've, um, once the training's complete, we then are paired up with an existing mentor who is an experienced member of the existing Samaritan branch, who will then support us every step of the way until we're ready for uh, take calls of our own. It's, you know, I think it's becoming a listener, I think was one of the best things that I ever did. Um, and your question about sort of how does it feel sort of talking and taking some of those challenging calls, um, it can be challenging sometimes but also extremely um, I think rewarding to know that you can be there for people in their time of crisis and, and be able to support them um, through those those moments in their life um, the Samaritans have got um, an absolutely fantastic uh, support network for if we do have any sort of difficult um, conversations or if we do have any challenging calls and you know our, our training sets us up very very well to be able to cope with those and to be able to cope with the role of a listener but there can be times where a call might affect us and whether it be resonating with our own personal experience or, or whatever the, the the case may be but the support network in place for our listeners we are supported in every single step of our shift um, we're never alone on shift as part of our training we make sure that you know we're all aware to talk to our fellow Samaritans on shift so we're never alone on shift and we've always got another Samaritan with us um, and we make sure to talk to our shift partners and we're comfortable about talking about how we feel or how a call might have affected us. Every shift has also got a shift leader who is just there to support us as listeners and we call them at the start and end of every shift and talk through how we're feeling whether anything affected us and you know even in the Samaritans, we're very much focused on listening to each other as we would with a caller. So 
you know, if I do experience anything that really affects me, the support that is available is um, is superb. Mm. So essentially, after a, a really difficult call or any call, um, you'd have a chat with another volunteer. Um, but do you have any other kind of ways of, um, I guess the word is decompressing maybe afterwards, whether that's ones that have been taught to you by the Samaritans or personal ones that you find helpful? Yeah, so I think, you know, we've, as I said, we've got our Samaritans um, uh, process of debriefing and, and sort of making sure that all our volunteers are okay and that they've got the support. Um, for me, very much personally, um, I take self-care very, very seriously, especially after my own experiences. Um, and it's become uh, very much a go-to for me. Um, things like uh, I'm very keen on exercise. Um, so regardless of Samaritan shift or whether it's a, you know, just a, a, a normal difficult day where I might be finding things a bit difficult, um, I'll make sure that I maybe go for a run. I'll go for a walk. Um, I love being out in nature. And so that helps me just take some time for myself to gather my thoughts and to think things through. Um, also, uh, some, some strange ones, possibly like cold showers. Um, find they're great for changing my state. So if I am feeling particularly down, as I said, not just um, you know through through day to day life, um, great ways of uh, quick state change and to change your thought patterns. Um, so yes, I think self care is extremely important. And as I said, not only do we very much train our Samaritans in self care, but for me personally, um, as just a, a way of coping through life. Uh, self-care is an extremely important part of that. Mm. It's so interesting you mentioned in there about the cold showers because we had another guest recently who was um, talking about that and the sort of the boost, the endorphin rush that yes. some people get from that. They were trying to convince Ellen to, to do them. <laughs> <laughs> and I was I don't think they even bothered to try and convince me, although I love swimming in like the sea, cold water, all that sort of stuff. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, for some reason, bodies of water are fine, but actually the cold showers... Bit, bit scared to do that but um that's an interesting tip yes yeah, so, as i said i find they're, they're very effective and a very very quick way of an immediate thought pattern change um mm. although i think with anything with self-care and i think this is always the, the challenge is that you have to maintain it it's not something that that you should really dip in and out of um these are things that you should be doing even if you feel okay um so i don't make sure i don't limit my self-care to days where i don't necessarily feel um in a great place um because i think it becomes even harder then to practice self-care especially if you're feeling down um or you're feeling that you know your self-worth is quite low or you're, you're less inclined to be able to do things like that i remember very well um you know when you're in the depths of depression or despair the last thing that you want to prioritize is necessarily yourself um, which is why it's so important to do things like this, even when you're feeling great and feeling, you know, on top of everything. That's such a good point. I'm really glad you brought that up, um, just for listeners in general, but also for, well, selfishly also for me, because I hadn't really thought it in that way. But yeah, building things into your routine in terms of self-care, they're good for your mental health. I mean, yeah, I think that's such a good point. For me, it would be something like meditation, you know, keeping that up as part of my daily routine um, because as you say it's sort of you don't want to keep these things as last resorts for when things are really difficult or you're really stressful you know you're really stressed or you're really down um, it's kind of yes. keep doing them and for me it's also things like that bring me joy like singing and dancing and things that seem like they're trivial 
um, but actually can really make a difference to the day. Um, yes, no, that is that is completely it. And I, I do sort of, um, I, strangely, I do a lot of obstacle course racing now since um, my recovery. And um, I go to classes a couple of times a week. And for me, they are so important. And the amount of times I don't want to go um, but force myself because I know that I will get the benefit afterwards um but it is you know like you said there meditation dancing and um, i do quite a bit of journaling and that's one of the things that i tend to let go of when i'm feeling better um but it's one of the most important things i really should be doing when i'm feeling good because then i build that habit in and it becomes a habit and it helps for when i'm not feeling mm, great absolutely um so i've got two big serious questions to finish up with i hope you don't mind um of course. so the first one is really thinking about um friends and relatives um i wondered if you have any thoughts on how can we support friends and relatives who have lost people to suicide and because i assume you must have people ringing the samaritan sometimes in that situation i think this is a, a very good question and it's certainly something that i would um you know i think my first response would be to support as you know if we've got a friend or a relative that might have lost someone by suicide is to support in in the same way be there listen give space give time um and show you care you know all these things that we spoke about in terms of um listening the shush listening tips and and you know, just being there for that person um i would also recommend so we've got some great support on the samaritan's website um where we can find resources specifically tailored to help people who may be bereaved by suicide. Um, and those would be my, my probably my go-to um, bits of, of advice on that one. Mm, that's the thing. I mean, any kind of bereavement is, is exactly. tough, isn't it? But I think that is, this can be particularly difficult um, in some ways because it's, you know, can be harder for people to talk about um, yeah, because sometimes there's all sorts of issues people might have in their own heads around blame or feeling guilty or all kinds of stuff. Exactly that. And it goes back to what we were saying earlier on in terms of everybody experiences things differently. Um, and everybody experiences, uh, you know, every situation in life very, very differently. And that's why it's just so important to be there for that person. Um, it's what we can't do is you know, assume that we we might know how they're feeling or that we can necessarily help other than being there to listen about how they're feeling. Um, as you said, any sort of grief or loss comes with um, a very dif different emotion um, and very, very difficult and challenging emotions. Um, so it's so important we're there, we give that person that time, that space and any more sort of specific tailored support for that and anything else um, then there are lots of resources on the Samaritan's website for help. And final question, and another big question. Um, if anyone's listening to this right now um, who's in crisis, um, what do they need to hear right now? What would you say to them? I think first and foremost is for them to know that they're not alone. Um, you know, I think being in, in being where I was at the time felt like a very, very lonely place despite being surrounded by lots of people. Um, I need anybody listening to this that may be in crisis, you are not alone and support is there. If it is an emergency, um, then please always call 999 first. But if you do need someone, 
talk to, please, please reach out to the Samaritans. We're there 24-7, provide non-judgmental support, and it's free. And you can either call us on 116123, email us at joe at .org, and or there's a self-help app or our letter writing service, which uh, information is available on our website at www.samaritans.org. But please know you're really not alone. This is goodbye from Mentally Yours. So go away, enjoy your day, get on with all your chores from Mentally, 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 Mentally Yours. Mentally Yours. Mentally Yours. If you've been affected by any of the issues we've been chatting about today, please give the Samaritans a ring on 116123. You can also find them at samaritans.org. If you'd like more information about the Hub of Hope, you can find them online. They're at hubofhope.co.uk. You can also download the Hub of Hope app from the App Store. If you'd like to find out more about Mentally Yours, you can find us on Twitter. We're at MentallyYRS. And we also have a lovely Facebook group, which is just called Mentally Yours. See you next week. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.